Mean Old Lion Media presents Wardrobe Boss. Well, hello there. Thank you for checking out the Wardrobe Boss podcast. I'm Eliza Perilla, native New Yorker, your host. I am a personal wardrobe stylist and professional home organizer, and I am the Wardrobe Boss. Each week, I like to invite tastemakers, hit makers, homemakers, people who wear clothing, <laughs> fashion and style experts to discuss how wardrobe and a tidy home can set the tone for a sweet little lifestyle. Uh, today, my two guests, Angela Pierce and Stephanie Clapper, are also native New Yorkers who host their own podcast called Someone's Thunder. They're both entertainment professionals and longtime friends. On their podcast, Angela and Stephanie chat about film, TV, theater, creativity, and life in general. Today, I invited these fabulous ladies to talk about how aging affects personal lifestyle. Welcome to the Wardrobe Boss podcast, Angela and Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me, having us. We're so, I'm so delighted to be here. Uh, Stephanie? Hi, Eliza. I'm really thrilled to be with you too. I feel like we've always known each other and it's so, I'm so honored to be your guest today along with Angela. I'm happy to have you. So thank you. I've been looking forward to this conversation. You're here. The time is now. So I'm really excited. Um, before we dive in, can you tell mm -hmm. my audience a little bit about yourselves, how you know each other and how your podcast was born? Um, well, Stephanie and I have known each other for a long time. She actually gave me one of my first professional jobs um, out of college. I went to the Juilliard School and majored in drama. And so I'm an actor, uh, entertainment professional, as they like to say. And um, we just always kept connecting and going back and forth and being in the same circles with theater and and just the whole business. And then during the pandemic, um, we were texting back and forth. And then Stephanie said, well, why don't we just talk on the phone? I'm like, wow, that's a novel idea. So we started talking and we started having these conversations and talking about different other friends of ours who are actors or artists in the business and stuff. And, um, and we both love radio and we're both from New York and, and just, so we wanted to keep that creative conversation going. And so therefore someone's thunder was sort of birthed out of that. And um, I'm a casting director. That's what I, I do in life. And I love to bring people together. And that's how Angela and I first met, was to bring her together with my clients into a show. And out of that, a very natural friendship developed. And as Angela said, during the pandemic, I think we were both losing our minds, as so many people were. And we were trying to find a way to connect with other people and to also be rich with our creativity. And, um, and the idea of what we loved was how the podcast was born and also connecting with other people and meeting other people and widening our circle. And, and it's been quite wonderful to keep it going. Born out of, out of a sense of desperation and sadness has come a lot of joy. Isn't that nice, right? When you can be creative out of a place of just so much uncertainty that you're like, what the hell? And I feel like that's where people dig in and really find what's in their soul and how to bring it out. So Thank you for sharing that. Um, that's exciting to hear. Um, I like that the three of us are native New Yorkers. Like that is a little bit exciting to me because, right, it's rare to have these kind of opportunities where three native New Yorkers are uh, on a podcast together. So um, 
I'm, I'm glad that you're here. Um, New York is one of those cities where people love to get dressed for their dream life. And I really enjoy watching the variety of people and their personal brands of style, just, you know, sashay down the streets of New York. And, you know, the rest of the world emulates that. So I think it's, it's awesome to see it here. And then you see it everywhere else. And you're like, yeah, I know where they got that from. And um, it, it makes me think that today, because we take better care of ourselves um, at 40 and 50 and 60, that people really do look better than ever today. And I'm here to encourage that to continue until the day I die. That is my mission in life. Um, I don't believe that style has to stop with age. So if you had to give yourself a personal style age, what would it be? This is just for fun. So no pressure. Gosh, I used to look at all those magazines that had the women at 30 wear this and women at 40 wear this and women at 50 wear this. And I felt like I took a little from each of them. So I feel that my style is kind of ageless because I like to wear what makes me feel good and gives me a sense of fun and happiness. I would have to I would have to kind of agree with Stephanie. I, I love this question. And I just thought to myself, well, I I I have my own you know, personal style. And one of them is just, I love having a splash of color. I love feeling good, but always it goes back to just having those classic pieces in your wardrobe that, you know, you can throw it on with an amazing, um, you know, amazing blouse. That's maybe a little bit plainer, but that's, I mean, that's the big thing, just having those. So I don't know if I, I feel like I, when I see a film or a TV show that has like seventies inspired. I get excited when I see stuff about the eighties or the nineties or the two thousands. Now I'm always inspired because there's different designers giving us new ideas and new ways of thinking about how to uh, present our creativity from the exterior, which is cool. Well, I like that two words stuck out for me from each of you. I love that Stephanie said ageless. And I like that Angela, you said timeless and classic. And and I think that's what makes classic timeless. And that's what makes timeless classic. So I totally get that, right? And strong pieces in your closet go a long way. I don't believe that people have to have so many things in their wardrobe to have a great wardrobe. And I'm, I'm not an advocate of it. And I don't believe in it. And um I think that your life is so much better when it's easy to get dressed, when you, you like everything in your closet and you just carry on, right? Because after all, we have so much more things to think about than to do than to worry about what we're wearing. I really don't know who has time for that. I know I don't. Um, Stephanie, you as a casting agent, you see a lot of actors. And although they may not be dressing up to meet you, do you think that personal wardrobe has anything to do with them getting a particular part? Well, I think it, sometimes what they wear informs the role they're auditioning for. And it's a suggestion about the role. Sometimes it could even be subliminal. And I do think it helps along with the actor's talent. So I, I think that's all part of, sort of their uniform when they come in the room for us. I also think that it informs um, just their general mental state of, of feeling like they've got it and they're going to be okay. Um, but sometimes a great pair of jeans, a very simple top, man or woman, um, can work too because we're talking about uniforms in a way and it's, it's something that's neutral enough yet can work for what they're trying to accomplish in our audition room. 
You know, I'm so glad that you said that because I thought that might have been a dumb question. And I, I hear That's the a great question. I, I've heard it said the dumb question is the one you don't ask. And I'm so glad to hear you answer that because I never thought of that. And um, I'm glad that, and even you saying a great pair of jeans and a t-shirt, what I envisioned was someone coming in with a good pair of jeans that fits them well, that's clean, not that has 800 rips and Clorox on it. And, you know, so um, yeah, imagine that, that just that simple uniform can make you see someone's natural talent or beauty. And I was just going to add, Eliza, what you're saying, simple, clean lines as just makes all the difference in the world. So when you were talking about the jeans that are ripped and the Clorox and it, then your eye goes right to that and you almost lose the person and you're looking at the product. Yeah. It's an absolute distraction. So thank mm-hmm. you for clearing that up so that all the aspiring actors know how you should present yourself when you go to see a famous casting director like Stephanie Clapper in New York city. <laughs> now, Angela, you are an actor. So since actors get dressed for roles through a wardrobe department, do you think this contributes to actors not caring about their real life wardrobe? Um, gosh, that's such a good question. I, for me, getting ready, I, I do depend on an amazing costume department once I've landed the role. But it's also my job as an actor to come in with what I think in my imagination and circumstances of the character and stuff of what the what the character, the environment, how that's reflected. Um, I'm I'm going to come in with a wardrobe that makes me feel the most like that character that's on the page that I feel like I can give my best representation of who that person is, what their circumstances are, and to tell the clearest story. So wardrobe always helps me. And I've had a lot of times where wardrobe departments will say, um, tell us what you wore when you auditioned for the role, because that sometimes factors in with what the producer showrunner is seeing. So that's a big thing. So they do, it's a collaborative art, which is something that I love. And I know that um, the costume designers and, and being unionized is another big platform that's happening right now out there. But I think, you know, a couple of times, like for instance, when I went to go audition for private practice, when I was living in LA, they wanted to see um, a sort of white trash, trailer trash. So I came in and in my best um, version of what I thought trailer trash would be a a very authentic take on this and what made me feel like, you know, I was my best self for the role. And oddly enough, I did not oddly enough, but I, I did end up getting feedback when I got called back could she wear something a little less trashy? Could she clean up a little bit? <laughs> so it was a little too white trash. So then I ended up, you know, wonderfully booking the job. And then the cat, the uh, costume designer put together my interpretation and what they wanted to see. And we were able to make a wonderful meld for that character on private practice, which was a lot of fun. So it's, it's a wonderful collaborative art. Now, watching people, um, actors and stuff walking in the street, I think my only thing is that I can think that, I mean, somebody like Katie Holmes is always going to look great. Even if she's just throwing on a coat and sneakers, she's going to look great because she cares. 
And I remember a very good friend of mine's mother, my friend um, was a model for the elite uh, modeling agency. And her mother always told her, and I remember hearing this when I would go sleep over at her house, you never leave the house looking a mess. You always have to look like you're ready because you never know who you're going to meet in your day. You just never know. So always be prepared. That's the big thing. Um, as far as people not really wanting actors, not caring about their real life wardrobe, I can only speak to the fact that maybe it's because when they go get their cup of coffee, Bradley Cooper is maybe wearing a little bit less of a you know tuxedo look because he just wants to get his coffee and be done with it and move on. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know of many successful artists that are looking a little downtrodden in their wardrobe only not to be discovered in the moment, maybe. Well, it's interesting that you say that because the whole reason I asked you that question is because um, I have often and recently seen A-list actors looking really disheveled. Like, I don't want to say anyone's name because I don't want to make it seem like I'm judging them, right? Although I was kind of judging them. I'm going to be... <laughs> well, you're a stylist, you know. But um, so someone who's standing right next to me in a store, we're ordering food and had like a baseball cap on, but she had no, like, it was terrible. It wasn't even like, I mean, she just looked so bad. And when I realized, because I heard her voice, who it was, I just, I guess I looked at her up and down just because I, she was right next to me. And I was like, really? Okay, I guess. And so it just made me wonder in that moment, do do people, um, you know, do certain actors not care because they're like, I don't need to prove anything. I, you know, I have all the clothes I want. I have all the money I want. So I just don't care what you people think. And I don't want to be noticed, but you don't have to look like a homeless just because you don't want to be noticed. Stephanie, what do you say to that? I was just going to say they're exhausted, some of them. And I think there is that, there may be, like you said, Eliza, this sense of I have nothing to lose by looking like I just rolled out of bed and into the store. It's a lot of effort to get ready. And my face needs a rest from all that makeup that's supposed to make me look natural. And, you know, I just want to wear my most comfortable sweatshirt and, and whatever. So I think there is that in the sense of security that they really don't care who they run into because it's not going to make or break their, their careers, I think. Yeah. See, that's a great perspective because I would not have thought that, right? I just think in my own perspective, that's why you're here, right? That's why we're here to have this conversation. What do you think, Angela? I was just going to say, I think what what we were talking about as far as like a balance so that the exterior isn't so much pressure that you're not grounded in your reality. So whatever that healthy balance is for any person um, artist, what have you. But I feel like it's always about if we care a little too much, then we're focusing maybe not on the authentic self, which can be challenging because as you know, being in New York City, we're constantly moving and going. So we have to find balance always. And me being a personal stylist, I guess my perspective is a little bit shifted because I think from the perspective that when people have um, casual clothing, let's say, that your casual clothing doesn't have to be old, disheveled. Um, I don't care about it. I think that the same way you have um, your black tie event clothing, your, you know, I have to make a presentation clothing. I'm going to the bar mitzvah clothes, whatever it is. I feel like your casual clothing, even 
your sweatpants and your favorite ripped t-shirts. Like even that should be minimal, but be strong pieces, even if they're sweatpants so that when you put them on, you live in them, you feel good in them. And you don't have to feel like, well, I love this, but it has stains. Let me go out in it. I don't care who you are. I don't think anybody should walk around with stains because how could that make anybody feel good? I don't care if you're going to Dwayne Reed to pick up whatever. I think there should be some kind of decorum when you walk out of the door. And my point is that when you go to the airport and I see this more and more than I've ever seen it before. And I'm like, what happened in society? When did this memo go out that it's okay to go to the airport with your slippers and your pajamas and your rollers in your hair? Now, let me just say that from the 70s, growing up in New York, growing up in my neighborhood, on Saturdays when all the women would go to get rollers in their hair and you walked around with your rollers till five or six o'clock till you took them out until it was party time, something about that if you were pretty, it was a cool look. I'm not going to lie. It was it was kind of cute, right? But I feel like if you're Tony Soprano and you're coming out of your house in your robe to go pick up the paper, so be it, okay? But if you're going to the airport, you're getting on a plane to go somewhere where someone's going to receive you or pick you up or take an Uber, get dressed, Hello, somebody. I don't agree with you, Eliza. You're cracking me up because I, when I go to the airport, that's exactly what I think. I look at these people and used to just be kids, like college kids. And now it's across the board. I'm like, what happened? What? Like, I don't even walk the dog in my pajamas. It's like, get dressed. I totally agree with you. I also completely agree. And I think I love that you brought up the airport because there's so many. I always feel like for me, ever since I was a little kid, traveling, flying was a uh, was a like an event. It was like going to the theater. You got dressed up. You were you presented yourself, and then you know I remember as a little kid, my first plane ride. I had my best dress on. I was six years old. I ordered tea and spilled it all over my dress, but I looked good. <laughs> I looked good with that tea all over my dress. It's an event. You should. I don't know. There's something about the celebration of getting together, and I don't know. Just celebrating that event. And you never know who you're going to meet on the plane. Yes. (laughs) Hello. Hello. And I know that I sound incredibly judgmental. I will own that, but it's not coming from a place of, I'm, I'm a stylist. I know everything you don't. It's not coming from a place of that. It's coming from a place of, can we keep some standards? Do we have to be relaxed in every area that we lose who we are, that we lose our dignity, that we don't celebrate our authenticity and that we don't take things serious and that everything is so casual? No, not everything is so casual. And I think that if we don't uphold that, we're just going to be like the way we are. I don't know if you girls take the subway, um, you ladies, but you know, anytime I'm on the subway, everyone's looking down on their phone. Nobody cares. People are smoking weed right next to you. Like it doesn't even matter anymore. And it's like, Oh, Whoa. When do we get to the point where it doesn't matter anymore? I agree with what you said. The smoking, the weed on the subway is like, I can't even, I can't even just, if I see one more Instagram post of somebody saying I had to shut down a weed smoker on the train. (laughs) crazy. I mean, you, but I don't, it doesn't need to be in my face. That's all I'm saying. Um, is, is personal style important to either of you? Why or why not? Um, yes, it is to me because I, I like you, Eliza, I have my own company 
and I represent myself each and every time I meet somebody. Um, when I was younger, I used to wear nice tops and jeans. And I remember a talent agent once telling me that I had to pull it together more. And I was so surprised because to me, that was my authentic self. So I did wear clothes that were not jeans and, and nice shirts and, and dressed up more. Now it's interesting. Style has shifted again. So it's, it, the jeans are a little nicer. The tops are a little nicer, but it's always about how I want to represent myself. There's certain clients I, I may get a little more dressed up for than others. When I'm doing a casting session, there's some days where we may suggest like something about the show and what we're wearing. We just recently did a show called Islander, which is set on this beautiful island somewhere. So I wore this great top that sort of was very tropical in feel and my assistant wore something. And it was like what I was talking about with actors where we want to come in and set the tone without upstaging it. So that that's a bit about my personal style when I'm working. Yes. And I don't know if anybody hears the the uh, siren in the background, but I love it because it is so true to New York City and who we are and how we live. So yes, um, you're welcome for the beautiful soundtrack of New York behind us. It, <laughs> Angela, it you is, want to say something? <laughs> it it is um, it is an amazing city full of the most fabulous music every single minute and every single second of every single day. Um, I, I'm, I'm a huge, uh, I love personal style. It's really important to me. I grew up and um, my mom was a costume designer and my dad was an actor, which is the reason why we moved to New York City um, when I was five years old. So uh, my mom, I would go with her to work and I'd watch her make these amazing, beautiful costumes. And I'd watch my dad prepare for a role and all of his really exciting costumes. And even as a kid, I was really fortunate enough to have my mom actually make clothing for me. Um, so to me, clothing was, and your appearance really represented also how I felt. So if I was, I mean, especially I wanted to feel good, you know, I, I looked good and that kind of was, went hand in hand as far as that goes. And to me, I also feel like New York city is so vibrant with so many different rich tones and textures and cultures that I, I want to be able to reflect a little bit of the city that I live in. And to me, I always feel like getting dressed up and, and celebrating that is also, you never know who you're going to meet either. You know, I, what I find to be fascinating sometimes, and I really understand where it's coming from, but I noticed that a lot of professional women and men that they're thriving in their career, um, whatever that is, right, or their business, but then somehow by default, their personal style takes a back seat so much so that they don't even realize it. And then by the time they do, they're like, ah, I don't know what happened. Where am I? Help. Which is fine because I come in right in, right? I enter scene right there and that's my thing. But um, it's interesting to me how that happens. And I guess I have a different perspective because I don't know what happened, but I remember I was a kid and I remember saying to myself one day, I clearly remember this. I was like, no matter what happens, I am never going to let myself go. And I'm never going to be one of these people that's not in style. And of course, that was from a place of ignorance because I don't, I didn't know anything about aging, right? So I couldn't speak to that. And so I wonder if you have any input on what you think 
um, makes people age themselves more with clothing. Um, well, I was just actually, when you were talking, Eliza, what it made me think of is when I was a young mom, I remember wanting to not be the mom who showed up in the exercise wear or the, or the, you know, casual wear, the sweats. I wanted to be the pretty mom who was also the working mom. So it was important to me to still look my age, but also be in society, not sort of on the other side of it. So I feel like that's sort of carried over in a sense in terms of what we were saying really about personal style, I think reflects the person you are. So maybe it doesn't age you in that way. The thing I'm thinking about now, when I look in my closet are, gee, some of those hems are those, those um, lengths of dresses are a little shorter than maybe I should be wearing right now. So maybe it's time to own my, my age in that way and maybe move on with those dresses. So I do think about aging in that way. Um, and with clothing I have. I'm so glad you said that, Stephanie, because um, I think that um, I see this. I just saw it yesterday with a client. I just saw this yesterday. So I think when you buy dresses at a particular season, right, or a particular time, the hemlines are different. And so I don't necessarily um, think that women have to wear lengths according to their age. I don't think that at all. I think if your legs are awesome, girl, rock them. Rock that doesn't they even have be to be mini <laughs> It just means show them because we're not going to be able to show that forever. So let's just take advantage of it while it's there, right? But also there is something to be said about hem lanes. And I always say um, for the most sophistication, I think a hem length should stop right at your knee or right um um, under your knee or, or, you know, right over your knee. I'm sorry, right over your knee. So if it's above, then I think that either it can, I'm saying it can depending, but it can say you're dated, right? It can date you. You kind of don't want to be dated if you want to be timeless and classic. So I say for the most sophistication, have it be right over your knee. And if you want to do a little sexy, maybe not be right under your knee, but a little shorter, right? So hemline is amazing how that plays into what you look like and how you accentuate the best parts of your leg. Yes, Angela, go. (laughs) You you guys, I'm so sorry. You guys are reminding me as you're speaking about um, the skirts and the length and stuff. When I was a kid growing up, I had, I went to a school where we wore uniforms and I remember the first time getting measured for my uniform, it was really important to me. I wanted to always be different from everybody else. It was really important for me to be different, not necessarily to stand out, but I just wanted to be different. I didn't want to conform. I didn't want to look like anybody else. It was just, it was really important to me. Call me weird, but that's just, that was me. That's how I showed my personality. So I remember going and getting measured for my skirt. And I remember the, the, the uniform woman saying to me, are you sure you want it that long? Because I remember girls rolling up their skirts way, way, way above their knee. And there would be like a big sort of um, tire roll underneath their sweater because you weren't allowed to do that. You weren't allowed to have your skirt um, so, so short. So I went the complete opposite. Um, it got very 
warm in the in the in the warmer months so i have to i don't recommend it for everybody but it's just you reminded me of just how people establish their look and their style it's all dependent on also what's happening in you know the time as far as like the culture of, of all that but it just the the hemlink thing just has me tickled <laughs> so tickled um i i i want to know for each of you what's more important when you get dressed what you wear or how much time it takes you to get dressed? Both, both for me, both. I think um, uh, it's important. And I sometimes come across this a lot when even like getting ready for an audition, I should have, and I pretty much do now, but I should have at least four outfits that I know that always look great on camera. And so that it doesn't take me so long to, so then all I'm concentrating on is the work. And I think something similar to what you said before, Eliza, is that I should have the same thing when I'm going out um, to, you know, I've got like two or three or maybe four at the very most of really great looks for uh, a dinner party or just breaking it down in categories so that I know as soon as I get into my closet, I know this always looks good on me and this is the great color for this and this season and so I think it's a mixture of both for me. Cool. And, and I was just thinking for work, I, I've got it down pretty well. So I'm okay most days, but I had a, a big opening out of town last week and I had to take Amtrak to get there. And I, at first I was like, I don't know which outfit to wear. Maybe I'll bring all three of them. And I was like, that's stupid. I'm just staying overnight, make a decision. And then I was like, but it's going to rain. So the dress I really want to wear is going to be too fussy. So, so it was a case of keeping it simple and that I would look okay and that it wouldn't take a million hours or get ruined in the rain. Right. And I'll just make a suggestion, a friendly suggestion. You can take it or not. But I think if you're in that kind of situation that you're like, well, all three of them will work. But I think that's when it would be great to call in a lifeline and say, hey, Angela, these are my three looks. You already sent her the pictures. What do you think? It's going to rain. It's going to, because sometimes a little tiny piece of information that you overlooked, right? By default, someone's going to say, ah, you know, and then you're like, oh, I didn't think of that. Thank you. Decision made. Bye. Got to go. Wonderful. You know, I love the lifeline. I love that. Yeah. I'm totally going to do that. Stephanie, Eliza, I, I was, I'm going to call you. I love it. Eliza, I have a wardrobe boss question for you, please. So one of the things that also was the decision maker was, ah, I don't think I have the right shoes for this to wear at this time of year now. What do you do? So here's what I say. First of all, let me say that um, a lot of women think that you can't wear an open toe in the winter. You can't wear an open toe now. Um, oh. You can you can. For me, open toe is all year round. Like white denim is all year round for me. I wear white jeans all year round. I will I refuse to be, especially as a New Yorker, in a sea of dark colors um, in the in, in all months. I'm just not doing it, right? Um, I say that as I wear black, but I don't have anything <laughs> against black. I just, I, right, I've got to keep it light. I think when you, especially around your face, uh, dark colors for some people, it brings their face down. Light colors for some people will take your face up and then you won't even know what's going on, but something about the lighter color is better. And it's because it, it opens up your face. So with going back to the shoes, um, I would always say have a nude shoe because here's the thing. If you're wearing a gown and I see this on the red carpet all the time and I'm like, no, I, I saw, um, 
Kim Kardashian just did it on the red carpet. And I'm not like, um, you know, a fan. It's just, th these are things I noticed. And she had this dress on with a closed toe, very pointy boot. Sometimes the length of the dress and then a closed toe, there's no break. So unless the dress goes over your shoe and it hits the ground and you're walking and that dress is walking on the ground, it's too much confusion to see the hem again, back to hemlines, the hemline of your dress and your shoe. So I say always have a nude shoe on deck that matches your skin tone and have just a nude strappy sandal so that your dress can be the star. Your shoe fit, your shoe fades into the background. And if open toe is too much, there may be a cap toe so that you're showing a little bit of your feet, but not all of it. So uh, does that answer your question, Stephanie? Totally. Yes. And I assume with open-toed shoes, no tights, even if it's rainy or cold, just get over it and no, deal with it. Just get over it and deal with it. No tights. And especially if you're taking a car, if you're like you, you were on Amtrak. Okay. So keep your, whatever your, your rain boots on. And when you get to your hotel or to the place you're going, then you put your shoe on, but you don't have to walk with your shoe and freeze. I'm not suggesting you do that. You know, I'm speaking in no, no. general, like, but wear the open toe nude shoe or a cap toe pump that is covered by the dress. So you can see a sliver of skin when your hemline is long, you've got to see a sliver of skin. I have a quick question. Yes, Angela. On uh, for wardrobe boss. Um, what happens when you have a dress that has a certain amount of um, maybe rhinestone or jewels or something? Um, what is your sort of like rule of thumb as far as necklace and earrings and bracelets or what? I know what I like to look at, but what is, is there a rule of thumb that you happen to have? I really try not to follow rules. I follow my eye. So my yeah. eyes really are make the rules as I go along, as I'm in it. Um, some people, you know, the red carpet is a really good gauge for that. And I don't want to go off into another Oscar conversation because I don't, but I'm just saying the red carpet is a good gauge because when you look at some people who are as simple, sometimes the, um, simplest things look the best. And with a dress that has so you know, so much going on, whether it's rhinestones, whether it's sequins, right? Whether it's fringe, you've got to be really careful because the dress is the star. If you put a, it, and that's why hairstyle and who is that you're showing me? Kirsten Dunst. And she was wearing Christian Lacroix gown and yeah. it, for this past Oscars and she looked stunning. And I don't think she had any, I mean, the dress was so beautiful, I don't think she had any jewelry on really. So very little. So I think that's a good place to go and look because their dresses are always the statement. That's why the hair is usually understated. That's why the makeup's understated. But when, but also pay attention to the people who wear a pump and a closed toe pump, how sometimes it ruins the outfit. I don't know why nobody talks about that, but it that's the one pet peeve I have on the red carpet. If you look at Jessica Chastain, what she wore, beautiful, I mean, gorgeous. It looked like she was dipped in liquid gold that was iridescent. I mean, beautiful. You know, she's so 
stunning, but you don't, so you don't need much is what I'm saying. And going back to the nude shoe, the nude shoe is a game changer because when, and when you have a dress that is a beautiful dress and it's so beautiful to look at, look at yourself in the mirror, put on a, you know, sometimes women are like, well, it's a black dress. I should have a black shoe. No, because now the black shoe just takes the eye down to your shoe. And it, it just, I'm telling you, try on the black shoe in the mirror, closed toe, and then try on the nude shoe. And you're going to see not only does the dress stand out, but it elongates you. You're not being cut off at your feet. And it just, it tends to something better. So I would just say, make it minimal, but you can, you can put an earring, but don't make it be something big right? Make Mm -hmm. it be something small. And if it dangles, make it be a small dangle. It shouldn't be a statement and a statement, a statement jewelry and a statement outfit, because it's too much sometimes. Now, if that's somebody's personal style and they can pull it off, let's say like a Lady Gaga or something, that's different. But if you know that's not your lane, stay in your lane, darling, stay in your lane. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for asking those questions. I love to get questions. Um, What's your favorite thing to wear that you feel good in? Angela, then Stephanie. I love this question. So thank you so much for asking it. I am, I love jumpsuits and overalls. And I don't know if it's because my mom put me in some overalls when I was a little kid and that was it. She had me from there. But I, there's something about a really nice jumpsuit um, because I also teach and I move and I'm always walking around in the city. So I can, it makes me feel dressed without too many fussy pieces for me to worry about. And I just, I love a really good jumpsuit. I totally get that. And I think that's spot on. Yes, I totally get that. How about you, Stephanie? Oh, goodness gracious. I It's, it's hard to say. I, you know, I go back to the jeans again, as long as they're nice, jeans or pants that fit me nicely and I can move comfortably in them. I love that with, with a great smart top. Um, I've got this, these great jeans that actually have embroidery down one side of them and they fit really nicely. And with a great white top or, or sort of a um, copper top and a a check jacket over it, it's a really nice outfit that I could accessorize it. So that's one of my favorite outfits to wear, but it depends on my mood. It's very mood driven. Yes, I get it. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Last question. If you could buy any item of clothing today, price not being an issue, what would you go out and buy? (laughs) Angela, you guys can't see, right? Because we are on. (laughs) Sorry, audio. Looking at each other. Yeah. So it's different. But Angela, tell us, tell us what that is, please. So, um, like I said, my mom was a costume designer, so I'm with, I'm surrounded by tons of different costume research books and everything. And I remember preparing for your show. I was like, Oh gosh, there's so many different things. Like I'm dying to have like a, you know, 50 million or maybe just 10 beautiful Hermes scarves. But then I was like, well, wait, I want to go even bigger. I would love because Yves Saint Laurent had just the most beautiful couture. They just did a beautiful woman's shape so beautifully. All the fabrics were so elegant and there was always like some kind of a hat or head dressing. I love hats, um, but I've always wanted my very own Yves Saint Laurent dress. That sounds so um, just beautiful. 
<laughs> Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. I love that. How about you, Stephanie? If one thing, price doesn't matter, what would... Oh, I have two. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> so thinking about, well, my mom passed away recently and I've been going through her drawers and finding a lot of beautiful, beautiful scarves. And um, I'm going to be going to visit my son in Florence shortly. And I want to go to the Emilio Pucci store and find a beautiful, beautiful scarf, maybe a little sheer. So that will make me happy. And then I've been looking to replace, I used to have a great, really soft leather, dark green moto jacket, leather moto jacket. And and I would love to replace that with just a buttery soft jacket that doesn't look like everybody else's biker jacket. So that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, you just reminded me that I would probably, because I was thinking about that question for myself, and of course, way too many things come to mind, but I would probably, if price didn't matter, I would probably want um, a good, maybe a Celine leather jacket, mm. because she makes, um, the only thing is that they're cut short, but um, that or an Alexander McQueen leather jacket. Oh, wow. Uh, Some kind of brooch that is vintage, like a Saint Laurent or just something that is such a special piece that um, that I could wear this brooch everywhere and not feel like I need two security guards to walk with me. But at the same time, just feel like I love this brooch and and I would probably keep it that simple. I love it. It's great. I've also, I've always been, I did a show once and um, they had to do a copy of a Scaparelli jacket and doing the research on Scaparelli or Schiaparelli uh-huh. was so amazing. And I just, the detail that goes into some of these couture pieces is, is I'm just in awe of, they're like, you're wearing a beautiful canvas, a piece of art. And that to me just makes you feel like 1 million bucks all the time. That was one of the things I missed on the commentary this year on the red carpet, because the red carpet is who, I mean, even my mom who's like in bed somewhere is like, I'm watching the red carpet and her aide doesn't speak English. And she's like, we're watching the Alfombra Roja. And I was like, oh, that's interesting that they would be watching that, you know? But, um, you know, so I was watching E and they had, I guess they switched it up and Laverne Cox was doing, she was doing the commentary. She was doing the interviews and then the, all, all the other people were doing the commentary. And one thing I wish that she did more was ask about that because it just, I guess that's just for me personally, right? Um, some of those dresses, I would like, you know, to people, they're just dresses. You know, people probably think, oh, they're just a designer sent them that dress from their collection. No, it took artisans hours and hours of beading. And it may not look like this thing. And then you're seeing it from TV. You're not, you're not seeing it in person up close, completely different thing. But um, I missed that. I wished that there were more, there was more time to talk about it. It seems like Brad, I forgot what his name, Brad Goreski is the only person who cares about the details and the intricacies of the clothing. And I, I it just fascinates me. I was just going to say, Eliza, it's, I, I was thinking about that too, but also I kept feeling as though the, I don't know what you call it exactly, but the dive and the cleavage that so many of the dresses had, I found at the gathering, very small gathering, we were at for more people are concerned with if the woman moved the wrong way, 
there would be a wardrobe malfunction and it took away, it sort of upstaged the beauty of these dresses because it almost seemed like it was detracting from the outfit as opposed to enhancing. Well, let me just tell you that they are taped into those dresses. They are not going to have a wardrobe malfunction, nip slip or anything at these events. I mean, they're, I'm sure if you heard of this, but they put chicken cutlets and I'm not talking about chicken people. I'm talking Mm -hmm. about chicken cutlet, like nip covers. They use those and then they're double-sided taped into those dresses so that when they're moving different angles and the camera on the carpet. So there's no way that they're going to have that much room and Hey, and Hey, if you work with a responsible enough stylist, they will make sure you are so tucked into that dress that even when you go to the ladies room or you bend down or whatever, nothing is moving. There, I just wanted to say, um, I felt like Penelope Cruz really crushed it in her Chanel and she had pockets and who, what girl doesn't like a good pocket, like a good hidden pocket at an award ceremony. The pockets are great. I didn't love that dress on her. I knew it was Chanel. It wasn't, it definitely too big. No, it just, I don't know. It was, it just wasn't special to me. Um, I didn't see it up close. So maybe that's kind of unfair to say, but I thought the black was a little heavy for her and I thought it aged her a bit, especially the neckline. They tried to use the classic brocade, you know, Chanel fabric and made it into a necklace. But then the way the buttons went down and then the way the area where it dropped at her waist to me, I think it aged her. But then you look at Kristen Stewart. Okay. Do I think the shorts are appropriate for the red carpet? No, but, but that's her personal style and she owns Mm -hmm. it. And because of that, I loved it because she knows who she is. And I'm a thousand percent sure I'll bet it with blind faith that she doesn't let a stylist come and say, this is what I think you should wear. She's like, hell no, I'm not, I'll wear this, this and that, but I'm not wearing that. So I respect her because she knows who she is and she knows her own personal style. So, um, yeah, but I, I didn't like that. Um, however, somebody who wore black, who I loved and I thought that it was just so beautiful to me was Cynthia. I, I might be mispronouncing her. Erivo. Erivo. I loved what she wore on the black carpet and my favorite was Zendaya, right? But it's easy to say. Oh my God, she was my favorite too. Because she's 28 pounds. So anything she wears is going to look great. Let's be real about it. Anything she wears is going to look great because of her figure, right? Um, Her figure is like the perfect muse for whatever, whatever you can put on her. They can put a paper bag tied at the waist and someone else wore black. Billie Eilish wore black, which I wasn't crazy about that dress at all because it just swamped her. And she's such a pretty figure. I never like anything she wears on the red carpet. I'm just going to say it. But I think it's because to me, it's pretty obvious that she's heavy on top. She's very top heavy. And so I think it's her who subconsciously does not want to reveal that part of her body. She's not comfortable with it. To me, it's so obvious. So she rather drown it in fabric than to highlight it and but that's a personal preference of hers. Just so obvious. I also am a huge fan of Zendaya. And and while we're speaking, um, Dakota Johnson has great personal style. Oh my God. That crystal dress she wore for, I think it was um, 
it might have been French Fashion Week. I can't remember. Or it might have been the premiere for a lo- The Lost Daughter. But she had this all crystal dress and she looked stunning. I mean, she also has an amazing figure. She does. Even the pink dress that she wore, um, I think it was to the Vanity Fair party. It was mm-hmm. very heavy, very beady. It was very flowy, right? It was, uh, but... She carried it off really well. That's a very hard dress to carry off because as it goes down, the volume becomes more and then the crystals and the it almost becomes, and then there's Maud, you know, but in a very sexy way. So I loved it, but she was, re- on someone else, it would not have had the same effect. Um I I really enjoyed having you ladies on. Like I feel like I could just stay here all afternoon and talk. So I think let's just set our coffee date as soon as we get off this podcast. <laughs> I'm ready. I, I had so much fun talking to you again. So wonderful. You you came on to our show and you were so fantastic. And your episode is dropping April 5th. Woohoo! I'm so excited. I had so much fun on your podcast. And I really need to thank, oh my gosh, her name is escaping me. Lord, please. Amanda Daquila, our producer. Amanda, um, your producer is, you know, really thank you, Amanda. I'm giving you a shout out because Amanda is responsible for getting us together. And she is such a wonderful dynamic human being. And so I'm just so glad for the introduction. I'm so glad you guys to you guys came on the show. And I do want my audience members to know about all these great people in New York. New York is, has so many wonderful people, you know, people just think, Oh, the celebrities, the celebrities, you know, it's full of all these fascinating, wonderful people like both of you. This is what a casting director is like. This is what a working actress is like. So this I want people to see and hear about and just relate to, right? Because it doesn't matter if you're wherever you are in life, we can all relate to each other. And so I just thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And I I encourage you listeners, if you feel led, subscribe join the conversation, get on, um, social media. You know, you can find me at wardrobe boss on Instagram or wardrobe boss podcast. That's where I live. Angela, please let people know where they can find you. I see you on shows and TV all the time. Stephanie, please let people know where they can find you. You can find, this is me, Angela Pierce, and my handle is at Angela Pierce, N-Y, A-N-G-E-L-A-P-I-E-R-C-E-N-Y. That's my handle for Instagram. And then I also have a website, which is AngelaKPierce.com. So you can check out all of my fun reels and resume and stuff like that. And then our podcast with Stephanie and I, it is Someone's Thunder Podcast. And you can check us out at Someone's Thunder Podcast on Insta. And we also have Someone's Thunder uh, com is our website for the podcast. And you can check out episodes there as well. Thank you. And Stephanie. And my Instagram is at Stephanie Clapper Casting, and our website is clappercasting.com and clappers with a K.
And Someone's Thunder podcast can be found on Apple iTunes or wherever you stream your favorite podcasts, as well as Wardrobe Bowl's podcast can be found on Apple iTunes or wherever you stream your favorite podcast. I hope you enjoyed this podcast today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I hope you enjoyed listening to us. I hope you gleaned some information from it. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And until next time, have a wonderful style day. Wardrobe Boss is hosted and produced by Eliza Perilla. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find the Wardrobe Boss podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Wardrobe Boss is a mean old line media production.